Welcome to the God is Love and So Are You podcast. I'm your host, Divinefulness Mary. Divinefulness is your sacred self empowered by your higher power's love. I'm an author, life coach, and survivor of childhood sexual abuse who has conquered post-traumatic stress. On Easter, God's love overwhelmed me and compelled me to create this podcast, a multi-faith mission to remind you how much God loves you and invite you to deepen your relationship with Him. After finishing last week's episode, Looking and Listening for Love, that is God's love, I realized a lot of you out there are struggling with post-traumatic stress like I did for decades. That's why today I want to talk about calming the storm inside you. By that, I mean calming your nervous system. First, I'll read and reflect on a short Bible verse where Jesus and apostles are out at sea. That's where he calms the storm itself and the disciples. Then I'll talk about how he wants to help calm us. After that, I'll briefly explain the science around triggers and flashbacks, which happens to people who have experienced a traumatic event. Then I'll review three tools to calm your nervous system. Next week, I'll go into detail on setting prayer, which is the main tool I used that's similar to Eastern meditation. Let's begin with a traumatic event the disciples experience that's found in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 39. On that day, as evening drew on, he said to them, Let us cross to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was, and other boats were with him. A violent squall came up, and waves were breaking over the boat so that it was already filling up. Jesus was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. They woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Quiet, be still. The wind ceased, and there was great calm. I learned that when I had post-traumatic stress and bad memories started flooding back, I could call out to the Lord for help or speak to him in the silence of my heart. When I didn't even have the strength to do that, my pain became my prayer, my call for help. Of course, I learned coping skills and therapy, but to me, the most important thing was me remembering that I wasn't alone. Every day, before or after work, I went to church. At that time, I didn't know that by doing that, I was also helping to ground myself in the present moment, which helped me keep the bad memories from taking me back there and holding me hostage. God helps us spiritually and practically. That's pretty cool when you think about it. Actually, I didn't even realize it until now. St. Alphonsus Liguri said, God's paradise is a human heart. Since my heart felt like hell and not paradise, I thought it was my fault. I called my experiences with post-traumatic stress the darkness. A darkness which I didn't really understand at the time. I didn't know that my abusive memories were stuck somewhere. My brain automatically kept making me travel back in time and relived the childhood sexual abuse I experienced like it was happening for the first time. But the darkness did more than that. It started making me deaf, blind, and mute to my divine sacred self's power to help me heal. The darkness made me start thinking about suicide because it seemed like it would never end. Through God's compassion, patience, and love, I learned about my destiny of living in my divine sacred self's power which is your destiny too. If you can't believe that right now, let me hold that belief for you. When you're ready to take it on, it'll be right here. I'll keep it next to my divine sacred self in the deepest depths of my spirit. 
Right now, I invite you to repeat each line of my poem, My Divine Sacred Self, after me, and meditate on the words as you hear and speak them. Please substitute your higher power wherever I say God. Say these words knowing that your higher power lives inside the holy temple of your body, waiting for you to call on him. Before we start, I'll give you a few moments to think about your greatest challenge, which I'll ask you to add at the end of the poem. Now let's begin with the title, which I want you to say slowly. My Divine Sacred Self. The Spirit of God lives and breathes with me. I breathe with the Spirit. I am one with the Spirit. I am God's Spirit. At all times and all places, the Spirit of God lives and breathes inside me. I breathe with the Spirit. I am one with the Spirit. I am God's Spirit. The Spirit of God empowers me with strength to... This is where you insert your greatest challenge. Let me repeat that. The Spirit of God empowers me with the strength to... I breathe with the Spirit. I am one with the Spirit. I am God's Spirit. If you would like to use this poem in your daily meditation practice, I'm including a linked audio file for you in the show notes. Nowadays, there are all kinds of online group meetings and chats which I'll link to in the show notes where you can get additional support on a regular basis, which is critical to healing from life-altering events. Briefly, a trigger is something that your body remembers that you experienced during a traumatic event. It sets off a bad memory about the event to your brain and your nervous system, which is hard to control. The bad memory gets stuck somewhere and never gets fully processed, like when your computer locks up. You shut it off and it keeps locking up every time you turn it on. Your brain keeps repeating the bad memory, thinking it's a new memory. That's why each time it happens, you feel like you're having the experience as if it's happening for the first time. It's not your fault. It's science. It's how our brains work. Our brain's lightning quick response is supposed to help us survive in dangerous situations by immediately connecting to our fight, flight, or freeze response. However, it's an obstacle to healing from all life-altering experiences. Please remember that you are not alone, and all the blame and shame belongs to the person who assaulted or abused you. Unfortunately, we're not the only ones who've had these experiences. In the United States, according to the Center for Disease Control, one in six adults experienced four or more types of adverse childhood experiences. These are potentially traumatic events that happen in childhood, like violence, all forms of abuse, and growing up in a family with mental health or substance use problems. Personally, I think those numbers are way too low, because I was in denial for years after the abuse. I never reported it, and I don't think that I was in a minority. 
Anyway, on my worst days, the bad memories came nonstop. I remember coming home from work, plopping down in front of the television, sitting there zoned out for hours. I had no idea what I was watching or how many days in a row I did that. I only stopped when I got hemorrhoids. <laughs> it's kind of funny now, but that was my wake-up call to get therapy. Like I tell people, living with post-traumatic stress is like living in a war zone. You never know when or how you're going to be attacked by a trigger that will transport you back to a time and place and experience you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy. That fight, flight, or freeze reaction is coming from the main part of your brain that handles the physical tasks. The second part of your brain takes care of your emotions, and the third part of your brain does mental work. Like I said earlier, our fight, flight, or freeze response is our body's built-in way of responding to danger, like when I was sexually abused as a child. In my case, my body froze. Together, my brain and spinal cord that extends from it and makes up our central nervous system made my muscles tense and dropped my heart rate in a blink of an eye. Since I experienced abuse from about the age of five until I was 14, the triggers were deeply ingrained in my body's memory, and I developed post-traumatic stress. You might have heard people say learning how to ground yourself during a bad memory is important, and they're right. By focusing your mind, body, and spirit in the present moment, you can learn how to stop those bad memories from kidnapping you for long periods of time. As I mentioned before, when something triggers a bad memory, your brain replays it. And as far as it's concerned, it's happening for the first time, so it doesn't think it could stop. After I had started therapy, one day when I was fighting suicidal thoughts, I made the decision that I wanted to live. I decided that I was going to fight post-traumatic stress and win. I was constantly on the move, taking long walks, going into outdoor events, being more socially active, and working out a lot, which gave me an exercise high because the exercise triggered the release of endorphins. With all that exercise, I lost a lot of weight, improved my self-esteem, and I was better able to handle depression. I didn't plan all that. I did it all instinctively. I just wanted to keep myself grounded in the present moment by keeping busy. Now, let's get to the different tools you can use to calm your nervous system. The first one is called havening. As you know, a haven is a safe place. When we experience a life-altering event, we can proactively use havening to help us heal so our bodies can become a safe place for us again. Almost 20 years ago in group therapy, a therapist only taught us the first part of the exercise. While I didn't keep up with the practice, I do remember that it was soothing after the first few times I did it. The modern version of havening has four parts. You're supposed to do one right after the other repeatedly as a set to experience the full effect. I'll talk you through the four parts and you can decide if it's something you want to try. I'm not saying that it will cure you if you're suffering from post-traumatic stress, but I believe it can help you. I'll include a YouTube video in the notes. I invite you to join me in trying out Havening. Don't worry, before we begin, I'll repeat the instructions. Start by putting your right hand on your left shoulder and your left hand on your right shoulder. Then, simultaneously, slowly and gently, glide your fingers down your arms until you get to your elbows. Imagine you're stroking an infant. That's how slowly and gently you should be touching your body. We'll do this three times. I'll keep count as I guide you through this. I'll repeat this one more time before we begin. Remember, put your right hand on your left shoulder and your left hand on your right shoulder. Then slowly and gently glide your fingers down your arms until you get to your elbows while imagining you're slowly and gently stroking an infant. Let's begin. 
Okay, that's one. Now repeat. That's two. Last one. That's three. We're done. Good job. On to part two. Now, with your elbows bent, put both hands out in front of you. In the middle of your chest, put your right palm down with your fingers pointing to the left. Underneath, put your left palm face up with your fingers pointing to the right. The top of your fingers should be parallel and gently touching your opposite wrist. If you're left-handed, you probably want to start with your left palm face down. Then, as if you're stroking an infant, slowly and gently glide your fingers until your fingertips touch. Reverse your palms so the opposite one is on top. And again, gently slide your fingers until your fingertips touch. We're going to repeat this for three sets. By that I mean one set is done after you have switched hands. So both hands have had a turn being on top. I'll repeat this one more time before we start. Remember, with your elbows bent, put both hands out in front of you. In the middle of your chest, put your dominant palm down with your fingers pointing in the opposite direction. Underneath, put your other palm face up again with your fingers pointing to the opposite direction. Remember, the top of your finger should be parallel and touching your opposite wrist. Let's begin. Slowly and gently, glide your fingers until your fingertips touch. Reverse your palms. Put the other one on top and repeat this slowly and gently. Let's do two more sets. Second set. Third set. Done. Good job. The third part is brief. You'll be using both hands. This time you'll be working on your forehead. You'll start with your forefingers meeting in the middle of your forehead and going outward. All your left fingertips will slowly move left and gently stroke the left side of your forehead, while all your right fingertips will slowly move right and gently strike the right side of your forehead. We'll do that three times. I'll guide you and keep count. Um, I'll repeat this one more time before we begin. Remember, you're using both hands to gently stroke your forehead. You'll start with your forefingers meeting in the middle of your forehead and going outward. All your left fingertips will slowly move left and gently stroke the left side of your forehead while all your right fingertips will slowly move right and gently stroke the right part of your forehead while moving outward. Let's begin. That's one. Now two. And here's three. Good job. For the fourth step, 
Put your fingertips under the dark circles of your eyes, near your nose, and gently stroke your cheeks outward horizontally three times. I'll repeat this one more time before we begin. Fingertips under the dark circles of your eyes, near your nose, and gently stroke your cheeks outward horizontally three times. Let's begin. That's one. Now two. And here's three. Good job. Remember, this modern four-part version of havening ideally incorporates the repetition of parts one to four so you experience a fuller effect. Look for the video in the show notes. Our second calming tool is called the 54321. Like the havening exercises years ago, I was taught a simpler version of this. I have a colorful infographic with brief instructions, which I think you'll find helpful. You might even want to keep a copy on your phone. You start by inhaling through your nose and exhaling through your mouth, taking three to five deep belly breaths with each one lasting three to five seconds. I can never do five seconds, but that's me. Okay, so let's begin. That's one. That's two. Three. Four. And five. Next, you'll search your environment for five things, four, three, two, and then one. You'll see what I mean once we begin. Okay, so first, look for five things you see. I'll give you a little time to do that. Okay, now look for four things you feel. Could be air quality, could be hunger. <laughs> you could wiggle your toes and feel that, just anything. Now, what are three things that you hear? Two things that you smell. One thing that you like to taste. That's it. Back in the day, I was advised to talk myself into remembering that I am in the present moment. I'm safe and further grounding myself by noticing all the details about my environment. It helped me when I was younger, but as I grew older, centering prayer is my favorite tool, even though I didn't start to practice in my 20s with that in mind. It just happened to be useful in my healing process. Lastly, there's a 478 breath technique developed by Dr. Andrew Weil. 
He believes in a philosophy of integrative medicine that addresses our mind, body, and spirit. He's appeared on PBS for years. He based his technique on an ancient yogic technique called pranayama. <laughs> Funny, huh? Uh, sounds like he made it up, doesn't it? For that one, I think it's best I let you watch the video, which I'll put in the notes. Like Dr. Weil, for years I've been saying when we've had a life-altering experience, our mind, body, and spirit have been injured, even if there was no physical force involved, and our body ceases to be a safe place for us. After years of therapy, I knew I was safe from the abuser, but I still felt terrified and blamed and shamed myself. My body was not a safe place. In addition to the three tools I mentioned that can help you calm your nervous system, I've also included a list of national 24-7 hotlines, online chats, and support groups. Please also check out local organizations and nonprofits in your community. Additional support on a regular basis will really help nurture your healing process. Look for links to all of these in the show notes. I also strongly urge you to commit to developing your spiritual awareness and deepening a relationship with your higher power. Ask your higher power to help you connect with your divine sacred self and continue your healing journey. Every morning, I pray for you. I pray you will hold on to God's love, never let go, and always ask for his guidance and strength to love your divine sacred self. I also pray that your life far surpasses all your hopes and dreams. Let me know when that happens, will you? Like I've said before, you're never alone. God's always there, and you're always surrounded by my love, the love of other survivors, their loved ones and supporters from all over the world. That's a lot of love. (laughs) I hope you're not claustrophobic. Please take a moment today to remember how God has lifted you up over the years and consider deepening your relationship with him. And remember to take care of God's precious gift, you. Thank you for listening to the God is Love and So Are You podcast. Join me next Monday for more about God's passionate love for you and hear about my Centering Prayer practice, which helped me stop bad memories from hijacking me back in time when I had post-traumatic stress. Don't forget to also check out the show notes for an audio of my Divine Sacred Self poem and video links to the three tools I mentioned that can help you calm your nervous system. I'm also including a list of national 24-7 hotlines, online chats, and support groups. Please also check out local organizations and nonprofits in your community. Additional support on a regular basis will really help you nurture your healing process.